1: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
0: And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the
1: redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. We certainly appreciate the podcast yesterday by Brother R.G. Rose. Uh, what a blessing it was to hear the man of god preach we certainly are thankful for that we're back in the shippensburg independent baptist church tonight through friday night seven o'clock each night uh we're pretty close to the house we thank the lord for that thank for the good weeks of travel he's given us and uh, the meeting thus far we're looking forward to what the lord is going to do tonight and uh, in the services folks coming in traveling in uh folks locally we got neighbors we've invited uh, friends family we've invited just pray if you would that God would send them in draw them woo them he's drawn with an everlasting love that's the wonderful mercy of God that would do something like that and we certainly appreciate the word of God going forth thank for the folks here and then we'll begin later in the week announcing the services in Blaine which begin on Sunday and run through the following week as well and so we're back in the book of Matthew again today. We're in chapter 13, and in verse 24, he says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. And that is the word of God. That is that which is in the kingdom of heaven. That precious word, that precious seed, that man that goes forth bearing precious seed. And he sowed this good seed in his field. But here's what the word of God says. But while men slept, his enemy came, and sowed tares among the weak, And went his way. And so again, we see the seed is good, the ground is good, the harvest is going to be good. But the problem is tares were sown in the midst. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like unto. If I could use a modern understanding of that, we see that even in the church. You have those that are not converted. You have those that look like Christians. They act like Christians. They know how to play the part of Christians, but they have no peace. They have no inner joy. They have no inner rest. They just look the part, play the part, but they do not have the real thing. They are the tares. And he's speaking here of the kingdom of heaven. He's speaking, of course, of this day. There are those that are of Israel that are not Israel. There are those that live in Israel, but they're not Israel. They may go off for sacrifice. They may uh, honor the Sabbath day. They may do all of those things, but even as the apostle Paul said, Oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's where they are. They're wretched. They're vile. They don't have faith. They don't believe God. It's just become the formality of religion. One of the great dangers of religion is when folks just learn how to play the part, but without faith. They don't do it because they believe God. They do it because it's required of them to play that part. And so these tares have grown in this field. His enemy has come. We liken that to the wicked one. He has sown in that good field. He's coming. He's sown wherever the word of God is sown. You can believe that the devil is there sowing the seed. Uh, Where the King James Bible is sown, uh, we see the devil coming behind and sowing other seed, false seed, the lie. Uh, He takes that hybrid seed. He takes that no good seed that does not produce fruit. And again, that's the parable, because tares look like wheat, they act like wheat, and you can't tell until the harvest. You find out they do not have fruit. He said, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So we see the wheat brought forth fruit, the tares do not bring forth fruit. That is the evidence of salvation, is the fruit. The idea that a man can know that he's saved, the idea that a man can know that he knows, that he can believe God because the fruit of his life is proof that he believes God. One of the things I've watched even these last couple of years with new converts, they go through a great time of elation, they go through a great time of growth, uh, babes desiring the milk of the word of God, but then just like babes, they go through sleep digression, they go through food digression, they go through potty training digression, and all of a sudden now they're up in arms so I'm living doubt so I'm have fears am I saved am I not saved how can I go through this I thought I'd have permanent victory I thought I'd have permanent joy I thought I'd have peace forever and the reality of it is it doesn't mean they're not saved or they are saved but what they have to look at is they have to look at what is on the inside what is growing on the vine what is the fruit of their seed and they look at that and they say well you know this seems like pretty good see, but then the Word of God it challenges them to examine themselves. And when you examine yourself, you get down to the bottom of it, either you find Jesus Christ or you don't. If you don't find Jesus Christ, you come to Christ. If you find Jesus Christ, you begin to establish and build upon that. And so often I watch folks go through those turmoil times, those trying times, those bitter times where they just can't seem to find God. They've learned a lesson. One of those lessons is you're not going to live without God and get away with it. He may let you do that as a new convert. He may let you do that when you're young in Christ, but you start getting saved there for a while. He's not going to let you live like you once did and kind of put him off the distance and be lazy about him and indifferent about him. It's not going to fly with God. And you'll not have rest and you'll not have peace. And I know that we talk about peace is a fruit of salvation, that peaceable fruit of righteousness. But I'm talking about peace in your day-to-day life, not inner peace, not the dwelling of your soul in peace, but that day-to-day life. There'll be unrest. You'll be discomfited. There'll be times that it will not bring you joy. Uh, you'll be robbering off your emotion, which is your happiness, the ups, the downs, no joy in your life. And why? Because you're distant from God. You put this thing in autopilot. You just went ahead and decided to go ahead and try to live your life uh, the way you used to live, and, and yet without the sin that you once had, and you continue on the ways you were, and you grow distant from God, cold against God. Church becomes a formality. Why? Because you're not doing what God wants you to do. And therefore, a man is obligated to search these things out. Why? He could have tears in his life. It may not be wheat. Therefore, he must search these things out. He must know these things. There's an emotional response, especially in a large congregation. Someone gets saved, nobody rejoices and shouts, and and they, they certainly are thrilled. And boy, just the emotional uh, elation of all of everything. And then, you know, months later, all of a sudden, all that's gone. A man must examine himself. But most folks aren't willing to do that. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst thou, not thou sow good seed in thy field? Yes, he did. From whence then hath it tares? They didn't know that the enemy came and sowed behind the the householder. They didn't know that he came and sowed that bad seed. And he said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Therefore, that which is grown, that which is in the field, it's going to continue to grow together. Why? Because you're not going to know until harvest time. And therefore it is. And the average church today, you sit in the average church today and you realize there's people there, a uh, 50-50 balance would be a, probably one of the better churches of, of this time. If you had 50 people saved, 50 people lost, 50-50 right down the middle, you'd probably be one of the best churches in America. But the numbers just aren't that high. Oliver Green, back in the 1960s, said he estimated 15% of, of church people were probably saved. Brother Samuel Allen said Uh, Back in the 1980s, in the absolute best churches he went in, he'd be surprised if half the people were truly born of God. And you say those things, nobody looks around go, well, I'm saved, so who here's not saved? But somebody's going to have to accept that responsibility, not because those men said it, but because the parable told us that. He tells you the tares and the wheat are growing together. You're not going to sort this out till the harvest. Therefore, you are obligated. I recently preached, I talked about you have to examine yourself. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. And there was someone, to be honest with you, I was directing it towards them. It was something that's been heavy on my heart, been something that's very dear to me. And that person, just spirit of slumber came upon them as soon as I began to speak. That spirit of slumber took a hold of them, eyes closed, mouth open, uh, oblivious to what's being said. As soon as I got through that part, talking about you must have the new birth, you must be born again. I got through that, and as soon as I said, then everything relaxed, eyes open, mouth closed, back to business again. That slumber during that time, to search your own heart. Let God search you out. But folks don't want to hear that. They don't want to be involved in that. They don't want to take the time to do that. And the awfulness that is their life, they don't want to search down the depths of the gutter of their heart. Verse 30, let them both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. There's the parable of the kingdom of heaven. He's going to bundle those tares and burn them. They're going to everlasting destruction. They will be no more. There is no fruit that they produce, but the wheat's going to be gathered into the barn. Why? It's the kingdom of heaven. And God is going to bring his own to himself. He is going to have a harvest when he told the disciples, Look under the fields for they are white already under harvest. He wasn't talking about modern day America 2023. And you can go and have a white under harvest party all you want. But what he was talking about is the days of Israel. Why? Word of God has been manifest in Israel. Jesus Christ in flesh is in Israel. He is walking the streets of Jerusalem. He is walking down the streets of his hometown. He's going up and down the coast. He's even going to Capernaum. He goes into Samaria. Jesus Christ is searching these things out. And so when men see him, are they searching the things of God? Are they seeking the kingdom of heaven? Some were, some were not. Simeon was, Anna was. There were others we see that were, but most were not. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. That which is least will be made great. That which is small will be made mighty. That's the parable of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, The proud will be abased. Those mighty things will seem small. Those strongholds will be diminished, but yet that which is small, that which is insignificant, that which seems so little in, in man's eyes, God is going to make it a great tree. And yet, do we realize that and understand that in our own lives? That's a question for us. Do we consider ourselves little that God could use us? Do we consider ourselves not much that God can even work in our lives? In verse 33, and another parable spake unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. That's the kingdom of heaven. It just takes that little bit and keep adding it in and adding it in and adding it in, the kingdom of heaven. And so you and I today realize the book of Matthew speaks off to the kingdom of heaven and it is those things on earth. It's that place where Jesus Christ was. No doubt that's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is come, uh, It is nigh unto them. He is with them. And these parables, he speaks unto them in a hopes that they will understand and realize their great need. Yet very few of them realize the true need that they had. And there's Jesus Christ in front of them. There's Jesus Christ with them. And yet they still do not see these things. All the things that Jesus spake under the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. And verse 35, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now, we know that, that prophecy was fulfilled because Asaph, that great prophet of God in Psalm 78, he said, give ear O my people to my law incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. So again, Jesus Christ fulfills the Psalm of Asaph, the prophecy of, of Asaph. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to his house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that soweth them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels." As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. What is that? The children of the wicked one will be burned. They'll be, and receive everlasting damnation. The son of man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let them hear. So Jesus Christ explains this parable. He gives them understanding of not only this parable, but the things of the word of God. He gives them end times prophecy. He is speaking of that end day, that day when the world ceases and judgment comes, the son of man returns to this earth as king of kings and Lord of lords. We see the dead small and great stand before God while the books are open. They're judged out of those books and those children of the wicked one, those without Christ. And I realize I equate this to the church, but so also goes the world. There he's planted good seed to the children of the kingdom. They are the sons of God. And they walk in this earth, and they live in this earth, and those tares are planted right alongside them. That's why you cannot pluck out the tares of this world. That's why wicked live with the just man. The unrighteous live with righteous men. Why? Because you can't pluck them out unless you also damage that weak crop. And yet he's going to leave them in this earth. The wicked, knowing that they're going to be uh, vile, knowing they're going to be sinful still, he leaves them in this earth. But yet that crop of wheat that he's planted, that corn of wheat which he's put in the ground, the children of God, they are going to thrive and they're going to flourish even in this wicked world. And that's the parable that he put forth to us. Let's apply that again to the church just a moment if we could. Not getting out of sorts, not trying to retranslate, but the reality is that's the way it is in the house of God. Many shall say to me that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in thy name Do many wonderful works? What's he going to say to them? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Why? You grew right alongside the wheat. You were sinful. You were vile. You never knew me. You never had the works that I've asked you to accomplish. Why? Because you are a sinner exceedingly. And therefore, they also will be cast out in the outer darkness. There's wailing. There's gnashing of teeth. There's going to be a great judgment in that day of the Lord. Join us again tomorrow as we finish up Matthew chapter 23.
0: There is a lost soul who is tired of the sinning. And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting
1: You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website
0: stars sing.